Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Good morning to everybody. Uh, in, prepar- in preparation in joining the leadership team this year, I was recently added to the leadership group email thread. And in my reading, I found out that there was an opening in today's message schedule. And for some foolish reason, I offered to give a short message today. And for some other reason, they accepted my offer. So there's lots of blame to go around for what happens today here, okay? Of course, it was decided only yesterday to close the sanctuary to the public and carry on with the service as planned. And it's online. So as I drove to church this morning in my van alone, with my family at home, sitting on comfortable couches, wearing their pajamas, drinking tea and hot chocolate, watching some YouTube, well, I'm thinking about you guys. How you guys doing? Okay, yes. The sanctuary, it's kind of weird speaking to an almost empty sanctuary. Um, of course, Dennis is here and the other people you saw on stage here, this, and the texts are here. And, but I'm not completely alone, but uh, I'll have to focus my message on uh, it's weird speaking to nobody, but I'm speaking to somebody here. That's what I'll do, and uh, hopefully they'll um, give me some good feedback here. Okay, it's time to get down to business. I had today's scripture, uh, which is uh, Matthew, uh, twen- Matthew 5, 23 and 24, uh, churning around in my heart and mind for a while now. And I feel the Lord is trying to speak into my life with, with these verses And that's why I offered today to speak on it. So let's just pray. Lord, uh, we come to you, Lord, today with our, we ask you to to open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes, and open our ears to hear what your word has to say to us. We know that uh, we can only be changed by your spirit and by your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were to come over to our home and walk into our kitchen you have to, you'd see there, there, there's a canvas painting on our wall and with the words from Joshua, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, painted on it. And it states, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For Lord God is, will be with you wherever you go. Also on our wall, above our inactive wood stove, is a plaque with the words from Joshua 25, 15, with the altered text for context. It says, as for me and my farmhouse, we will serve the Lord. I would guess that most of us listening today would have a favorite scripture like Dennis mentioned of their own. And this is something that's very meaningful to us. And some would have written out and displayed somewhere in our home, just like we have in our kitchen. But for today, we're not going to talk about favorite scriptures. Instead, I'm going to read from Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24. And if you're able to look at that, either uh, with your Bible or with a device, I think it's important to see the words uh, as written. I'll read it now. Verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar 
and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, and then come back and offer your gift. I would assume that most of us are familiar with today's scripture passage. The words are recorded in the first book of the New Testament, and Jesus spoke these words at the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount. If you ask me what in the past what I thought this passage meant, I would have said these verses speak about personal accountability. If you want to come to God, if I wanted to come to God, I realized that if I messed up somehow, if I said or did something stupid or hurtful to somebody, I need first to go to that person, apologize, and then come back to God. That interpretation made sense to me because I often have said things and done things to upset and hurt other people, and I need to make things right. These verses seem to sync up with my need for personal accountability in my life, and that is what I thought this passage meant. But recently, my attention has been drawn back to these verses, and I became aware of a new understanding and meaning of Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24. My new understanding was derived by simply reading the verses over very carefully and looking at the exact wording. And that's why I asked you to somehow look at this verse with me. Looking at verse 23, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you. When a brother or sister has something against me, this does not appear to be about my personal accountability and owning my stuff and making apologies. Instead, the focus of this passage is about somebody else, not me. It's about somebody else having a problem. And yes, that other person may have a problem with me, but it's still their problem. This scripture seems to be saying that is, that, is, it, uh, that is making their problem my problem, and that's where the title of the sermon comes from. This seems to be my least favorite scripture. I have enough problems of my own to worry about. Why do I have to deal with somebody else's problems too? This scripture will not be making it on the walls of my house anytime soon. But I have some more whining about the scripture to do, so sit back and relax. Now, that's a pun right there. I, I have, am I now responsible for what other people think of and feel about me? Are they not responsible for what they do? Are they not supposed to own their own stuff and take their own initiative and deal with it accordingly? How am I supposed to keep track of what other people feel about me? I don't get that. And over the decades, I've been slowly realizing that the only I can only change myself, and I cannot change other people. But it's not for a lack of trying. I spent years of my marriage trying to change my beautiful wife, which is as exactly stupid as it sounds, because Tanya is truly an awesome person in every way. But for some crazy reason, that was my goal, especially when we first got married, to change her. I've tried to change my kids with power control instead of by godly example of cherishing and love. I've tried to change my coworkers through the years of trying to get them to do what I wanted to do in the way that I wanted it done. And later on, as I try to do the same with my employees. I've even tried, and even though I'm coming to the realization that I am the only person that can really change, I'm not even good at that. It turns out I'm really good at ignoring and minimizing my own shortcomings and blaming others for them. And so here I am at 55 years old, 
I'm trying to face the truth about myself, owning what I've done, and attempting to make things right. And I know I have a long way to go. You can ask my family. And along comes this passage, and I hear that somehow I have to take action when somebody else has a problem with me. I don't want to hear that. Now, I warned you guys to be a lot of whining. I would offer you some cheese to go with this wine, but there's some COVID restrictions going on here. I obviously did not like what I was reading in this passage, but my curiosity was aroused. What is God really trying to say in this passage? Am I understanding it correctly? And likely not, <laughs> if history holds correct. What is God's point? And what is on God's heart when he asks us to do this in the scripture? So let's, let's look again at who's saying this. We know that Matthew is quoting Jesus, who is also called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel literally means God with us. These words are coming straight from the top. This is God speaking these words to his followers, then on the mountainside, and today as we listen to his words. As I mentioned earlier, this passage is located at the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount. As we all know, everything Jesus says in the Sermon of the Mount is revolutionary, especially in its day, and even to us now today. Conventional ideas about God in relation to, to the understanding of him in the Old Testament are turned upside down, they're shattered, as God's true heart is revealed in a new way, as Jesus spoke. Let's look at the content of the Sermon on the Mount briefly. Do not resist an evil person. What? This is not how the real world, how the real world works. Allow somebody to punch me in the face a second time instead of defending myself or punching them back? This is completely contra contrary to how a vast majority of the, how humans behave in history or currently. Anger in my heart is the equivalent of murder. Lust in my heart is the equivalent of adultery. The Sermon on the Mount is revolutionary teaching that exposes God's true heart for us and what he really cares about in our lives. This speaks directly to our, what our true motivations are and dressing, and dressing us to what's truly inside of us and not just to what our external behaviors and actions are. So let's look at Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24. What is revealed about God's heart in this passage? What does God really care about? Let's look at the key words of this passage. What's the objective? What exactly is God asking us to do? In verse 24, it says, First go and be reconciled to them. Be reconciled. And we heard that word in, in, the, in the sharing time. Here it is. Being reconciled is the key word of this passage, it is the end goal of what God is asking us to do, reconciliation. Well, what does reconciliation mean in this passage? Well, the Greek word for reconciliation in this passage means to change completely. I was honestly surprised by this definition when I looked it up. I did not expect that. God is asking us, God is asking us to change Another way to look at it is in the opposite angle. If I want to reconcile, I cannot remain the same or be unchanged. Or if I want to reconcile with somebody else, I cannot expect the other person to be the only person to make changes. Have we come prepared to make changes in ourselves? Is this what God is saying to us? 
is this is what in God's heart. I found this perspective very interesting and intriguing. When we sing the old hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, the line that always leaps off the hymnal page for me is this, God and sinner reconciled. Amazingly, those four words sum up the whole gospel message very beautifully. God, the creator of heaven and earth, sent his son, born in a manger, died on a cross, rose again, so that God the Father could be reconciled with humanity. The walls and barriers that isolate us from our creator had been removed. And look at all the changes, the key word, changes, God made for us. God changed. He became a man. He died. He rose again. Those are all powerfully demonstrative of change right there. Changes to reconcile himself to mankind. And if you know if you notice or not, I was able to sneak the Christmas message into this message here. Okay? God reconciled sinners to himself. And there is more. In Matthew 22, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment of the law was. And in verse 37 of Matthew 22, Jesus replied, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. These verses speak to the heart of God, and it speaks to his highest priorities. What are the, there are lots of other subjects in the Bible, all kinds of them, important ideas, important things to say. But Jesus does not mention all those things as among the greatest. The greatest speaks the highest priority in what's on God's heart. God wants us to love him with all our hearts. God wants us to love each other. God provided through Jesus a way of reconciliation unto himself. And he provided a way of reconciliation with each other. This is God's highest priority. And this is what's near and dear to God's heart. So let's focus again on Matthew 5, verse 23 and 24. And look at what God is asking us to do. God uses the word go. This is an action word. I need to get up and leave. Of course, it's easier to stay at home. <laughs> it always is. That's for sure. But that's not what he's saying here. God says go. Go. Go and be reconciled. And in going, there's going to be risk. And that's just normal. <laughs> that's just what it is. Things may not go well. Things may not go as planned or as hoped. Uh, I will not have control over the results of when I interact with others, but I'm told to go anyway. God knows there's going to be risks, and it won't be easy. He knows that. And look at the reasons why I'm going. I'm going to initiate a conversation. I'll be asking the question to the person whom God has brought to my mind, as the Scripture says. It may be awkward, and it may sound something like, I suspect that you have something against me, could you please tell me what it is? God knows this will be awkward and it won't be easy. That's okay. We are to go. The next task will be to listen. Will I, be, um, will I, will I um, actually be prepared to listen? Or will I just go there to talk and explain? If a person is really hurt and offended, they may be unwilling to talk to me at all, let alone tell me what they have against me. 
I might have to demonstrate that I'm willing to truly listen and earn their trust and the right to be heard. And this may take time. Instead of being a single conversation, it may be a long process. It might have, I might have to demonstrate clear changes, there's that word again, of how I interact with this person in order to gain trust. I will have to change. As I listen, will I be prepared to hear something that may be surprising, shocking, and or is unpleasant? My first reaction may be defensiveness. Perhaps the other person's offense is based on words and actions of mine that may not have been intended, or they may have been misheard or misrepresented. Or the opposite. I may hear that they understood what I meant and that and what, I, what I said actually caused hurt and grief. Either way, I have to own up to what I did, take responsibility, apologize, and offer forgiveness and make amends. I may end up giving an explanation of my words and actions, but not offer empty excuses or blame or blame them for how I feel or think. Excuses and blaming others will demonstrate that I'm unwilling to make any changes at all, and this is completely opposite to reconciliation. And I think that we all can detect when somebody gives us a forced or empty apology, and we know that nothing really changed when that happens. I feel like God was saying to me in this passage, he doesn't want me to sit and wait for others to initiate conversations. He doesn't want me to be content in being right in my own mind. <laughs> he doesn't want me to approach people to attempt to fix them, implying that I'm superior, I'm fine, I'm okay, and you're not. And, but most of all, bottom line, God doesn't want walls and barriers to exist between me and other people to remain. I think God is saying to me, Pete, when you have broken relationships and you, and you think you did nothing wrong, there are often ways that you have actually contributed to building that wall that's between you and the other person. And that's tough to admit. That's tough to own. I like thinking that I'm right all the time. I like thinking that I'm okay, I'm a good person. But sometimes I'm not. I need to own up to what I've done and what I've said and make necessary changes. I need to be willing to forgive, just as I hope God forgives me and how I hope other people forgive me when I confess and ask for forgiveness. And really, I don't like broken relationships in my life. Easily, the most painful and unpleasant times in my life have been caused by the broken relationships that are present. It's like having a heavy, a heavy weight on my soul. And if the people who I have broken relationships with are family members, then, then, and I have to come in contact with them on a regular basis, or even if, even if not so, it is even more difficult, and it's even tougher to humble myself and go to them. And just the think of, thought of going to them is, is, is tremendously difficult. I'm sure I am not alone in this. I'm, I would guess that everybody else does not like to have broken relationships in their lives. And the bottom line is, God doesn't want broken relationships in our lives either. It is not in His plan. He doesn't want us to live or, or be in or be tolerant of broken relationships in our lives. He asks us to get up and go. He asks us to be reconciled. He says, go, listen, go, and take ownership of what we did. He asks us to make changes. He says, don't be the same person that got yourself into the mess in the first place, and that's me. <laughs> 
This is God's heart. He wants us to be changed. And you know what? I want to be changed. He wants us to be reconciled. And you know what? I want reconciliation. During this whole process, as God has brought people to my mind, this scripture is addressing real and current broken relationships in my life. And that's why I was, that's what God was speaking to me in the last little while. Perhaps God is bringing people into your minds as well. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 gives us a clear roadmap. We just need to get up and go. But we'll not be alone. God will be there with us. God is there to lead and guide us. He knows the firsthand pain of brokenness and of separation. And we know it was work on the cross. He will lead us to the way of reconciliation. He knows that it is difficult and awkward. And you know what? It's not our idea. Reconciliation is his idea in the first place. Now we can pray about this. We can ask God to open doors of opportunity to have the necessary conversations that we need to have. And we can ask God to bring God people in our lives to support us, to encourage us in these things. We don't have to go alone. We're part of a, we're part of a group. We're part of a family. Have people in your life you, you, uh, who you trust and you, who care about you. Let them know. Let them pray with you. But you know what? The answer is not to sit and do nothing. I was content and sitting and doing nothing. But the Lord says to me, he says, get up and go. Go and be reconciled. And he says it to all of us in his word. Go, get up, be reconciled. So let's just pray about that. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, it's not pleasant to hear. It may be not be our favorite thing to hear. Uh, dealing with our own stuff, dealing with our own faults, dealing with how we, did, how we have broken relationships. It's painful. It's, it's not very pleasant. It's not fun. It's not nice. But Lord God... Uh, you show us that we can have reconciliation through you, through your son's work. We can have reconciliation through, to our Heavenly Father through his work on the cross. And through his work, we can have reconciliation to each other. Lord God, your message today is to we are part of the change. We can't sit and wait. Lord God, show us and lead us and guide us how we can make those changes in our life, how we can get up and go. Give us the courage we don't have to face the risk, to face the possible mess of, of what could happen. But also, Lord God, give us the courage to face the fact that we may be able to reconcile and rebuild and renew relationships in our life. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.